Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Truly luxurious. It's in the corner. So we can say all kinds of stuff and no one can hear us, mm. except for these microphones. And I am joined today by a very special guest. Uh, and uh, Tom and Sam are, uh, well, they're on an island somewhere. They've been put on double secret probation. But we hope to get them off that island pretty soon. The Survivor, whichever one comes back, is to be back on the show. But we have Damon Owens with us. Many of you have heard of Damon. Uh, he's been on EWTN. He's been uh, probably on whatever radio you're listening to now. It's probably... Uh, heard of or uh, had Damon on there as a guest. Uh, and Damon is the founder and uh, executive director of joy to be And so, Damon, mm. welcome to this wonderful program made even more wonderful by your presence. Well, you are edifying me, but it's my great joy to be with you, Deacon oh, Jeff. Oh, I'm Thank so you. excited that you're here, and we'll get you one of those virtual cups of coffee that we're so good at. I don't at. want a virtual. I want, I want <laughs> onion rings. No, onion rings. <laughs> this is well, what these chairs make me remind me of. Yeah. See, we are actually li- sitting in a luxurious corner booth, aren't we? It's true. I know. Just It's like now, it's like it just makes you think and now you are. I desire onion rings. All right, so I'm gonna. I, we can't. We can't answer all your desires. We can get a few of them. Just affirm it. That's, that's all right. I ask, Deacon. Thank you. <laughs> you are affirmed. Consider yourself affirmed. So, Damon, I, I thought. Uh, you know, we live in a, a day and an age where there tends to be um, a lot of confusion in the world, a lot of division, a lot of problems, uh, and you know, believe it or not, there's controversies out there, and a lot of them mm-hmm. tend to sort of. Um, hover around human sexuality and relationships and and also just the idea of like what brings joy in our lives and uh, I remember uh, you and I you, you probably remember that that movie the urban cowboy and there was a, a song in there that I use every once in a while I teach about these kind of topics looking for love in all, all the, the wrong, wrong places. places there it is you know and so it's like th- this is like the world that we're in you know and our and our kids are being brought up in this world and so some people struggle with same-sex attractions, and we have people in our families that, that experience this, mm-hmm. and certainly gender dysphoria. And there's just a lot, of, uh, a lot of looking for joy and seeking joy, and you know, at the basis of that is something good and beautiful, but at the same time, I guess we keep making mistakes ever since the Garden of Eden, right? We do, we do, but I think there's a lesson in, in our continued search, right? Even in a brokenness, even in a woundedness. There's a, uh, a lesson in that we are made for this kind of joy, this kind of happiness, that even when we, we don't receive it, there's something in us that still desires it. That would make no sense if the, the search itself brought such pain, if it brought right. disappointment. We would move on to something else, right? But why do we continually search for that joy? You know, when I um, began Joy to Be in, in 2016, it yeah, really— what is, what is Joy to Be? Yeah, more than happy. It's— uh, it's, a, it's really the leading with joy. I call that the melody, mm-hmm. if this were a song. And the theology of the body is really the vocabulary, the lyrics of this song of songs. You know, who am I? Why am I here? What truly makes me happy? Life questions. And by beginning with the wound, beginning with the desire in the heart, then looking to Christ, looking to the person of Jesus Christ, looking to his church to see what are the answers to that. And I go back to my, my, my hero, St. John Paul II, and, you know, without being out of turn here, uh, is in your bathroom. That's right. a great right. beautiful thing, right? <laughs> that we're made for happiness. We're made for Holiest this joy. Holiest bathrooms here at the Catholic I'm Cafe. I'm telling you, they're usually ones you don't want to go into, but <laughs> you can go into these bathrooms and learn. And there's yeah. this beautiful saying that I've loved from John Paul II there that says, we're made for happiness. Then this is why we thirst for it. And Jesus Christ has the answer. 
Right, he promised he like joy. He it. came that we'd have joy. And John fifteen complete. eleven. Mm-hmm. I have come that my joy might be yours, and that your joy might be complete. Yeah, amen. And what I found in ministry, my wife Melanie and I, coming up on twenty six years, uh, we began together in marriage properly as witnesses. And we use a lot for years and years about love, just redefining, helping to understand what love is. And there's still a lot of beautiful work in that. But in truth, love is controversial. You know, people do things in the name of love now, and it's like, wait a minute, what do you think love is? And just real quickly, joy to be really was focused on joy because there's no controversy with joy. Everybody wants joy. Everybody Joy's wants good. it. It is non-controversial, right? There's nothing, you know, uh, challenging about that. The real challenge is, okay, well, where do I find it? How do I find it? What does it look like? How do I distinguish it from the fleeting pleasure or from happiness that can come or last a little bit longer than pleasure? And it gives us an opportunity in the to, to proclaim the gospel, and that joy is relational. Mm. The joy is not dependent upon circumstance or uh, a sensual encounter that brings us a, a particular delight, but it's knowing who we are. It's being rooted in, in an identity of being a son or daughter of God the Father. And if you come to our website, our opening video on joytobe.org is this, this uh, unpacking of the family as being the privileged place where we come to encounter the truth of who we are, to be loved for who we are and not for what we do. So that identity that's built through relationship that really reveals a mission and a, 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 how do I live my life to be truly happy. And no coincidence, that is the ultimate structure, the intimate structure of the theology of the body, St. John Paul II's theology of the body. How beautiful. And you know, you, you talked about us being created for joy, yes. right? And then that, that desire for joy is part of, of our design. Yes. You know, and this idea that we're, we're created in the image and likeness of God. Talk a little bit about that and, <laughs> and how those two things play together. I'm fascinated by this, right? In some sense, it's church talk, right? We, If you go to enough youth group, if you go to enough you know, church, you'll hear, like, oh, we're made in the image and likeness of God. But if we can rescue it from church talk and really relook at the narrative, the story of who we are, we come to look at the scriptures, sacrament, liturgy, all the stuff, I call it the dry bones of our, of our faith, yeah. until we allow those dry bones to come alive and to dance. You know, that's in, yeah. like in Ezekiel, right? So the, our, it's, it's notable that the very first chapter of the very first book of our scriptures begins not with morality, not with commandments, not with the structure of an institution, but like a grandfather recounting the story of who you are. In the beginning, yeah. there was nothing. Genesis 1, right? And then the ordered creation story of the small to the other, of creation through separation for communion, whether it's light and dark, you know, uh, waters above, waters below. And then he reads, then let us make man in our own image, in this dialogue between God. After our own likeness, male and female, he created them and he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the earth and subdue it. It's almost like grandfather telling the story of where Owens's came from, right? And you want to know where we came out of. And in that story, it's a first principle, a first principle that we're not, you know, as the World Main of Families 2015 Catechism says, we're not some accidental collision of carbon atoms with attitude, Right. Well, I know a few people like that. Yeah, though. I do too. But but that's, that's the exception and not the the norm, right? So you're not supposed to be a, you know an attitude of, of of carbon atoms, but in fact a deliberate uh, creation, intentional creation by God, unique and unrepeatable. And yet at the same time, we share so much in our common humanity that we can have conversations like this in a diner about yeah. what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. It's both and. So to be able to acknowledge and to reverence. 
our unique, unrepeatable self means that we have a journey. We have a task. We have, when I, I get the, the, the real smart groups, we, we have a munis. This, this, this munis that it's a, it's a gift given I by God. I had one of those, but the doctor cut it off and yeah. said, if it grows back, you come back and see me. <laughs> well, I take pills for mine, so it's okay. okay. But the munis really is this honorable gift from God that says, I need you to do something for me. And you need my authority and my power. And that munis at first is, is to, as men and women, to share in the co-creative power of God. See, that's amazing. And it's just the whole idea that we, we actually get to play a part in creation. It's crazy. It right? makes no rational Things sense. Things that didn't exist. Now look at my nine kids. And you've got eight, so 26 years, and you've got yeah, eight we're beautiful catching kids. Up. Watching so, your rearview mirror right behind you. That I, that, I have, <laughs> that I have these, uh, uh, these things that didn't exist yes. before yes. my wife and I, mm-hmm. right? And even in, in you've got a couple of beautiful adoptions. Yes. You don't talk about it like that specifically. They're your kids. They're my kids. But until you and your wife came along, they weren't part of that family, and all of a sudden, boom, there they are. That's it. So in a very real sense, not in some abstract concept, right. your communion with your wife, your vows on that altar, your marriage has the ability to create life and to carry with it a duty to ensure their good. So we can reframe what seems so common to us. If we can remove the contempt of that familiarity, familiarity, right, that right. our families are just this social construct, that somehow we come out of nowhere and we kind of make our way throughout the world and then we die. Yeah, my good friend calls that the gospel of the suck. Yeah. It just, you know, I sucks, we suck, this happens, this way. And then it just, you just, you die. We actually say inhale on this program. We Sorry, excuse me, I didn't mean to yeah. offend. And, uh, I, well, I know, I actually got an email from somebody saying you shouldn't say that word. Yeah, I, then I repent. Right, but you know, I'll remind that person that you are made in the image and likeness of God, Daniel. Right. So as I'm looking at you, I'm looking at God, right? I mean, this is what he looks like. So and I did say the negative. <laughs> I said you don't suck. So That's beautiful. But I'm just saying, yeah, you're more than that. So That's we've right. got this beautiful origin and vision of who we are, and it's meant to be revealed in the family, the place where you're loved for who you are and not for what you can do. You're loved as a little baby, when from the world's perspective, you're useless, right? There's nothing you can do. You're completely helpless and vulnerable. And it's meant to be in its icon and its window and its means to be the place where we come to know that we are worthy to be loved for who we are and that others are willing and capable of fulfilling our needs. And to the extent that those questions can be both affirmative, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, we're capable of not only being a son or a daughter to entrust ourselves to mother and father, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's Father God and Mother Church or whether it's mom and dad, we entrust ourselves to them and they will our good. That's why it's the fourth commandment, right? The first of the love your neighbor. In that same way, we can enter into a relationship as a brother, as a sister, as a friend, as a spouse. And then in our own fatherhood, in our own motherhood, where we can experience not just being teacher, but learning as being student. So this is, these are the, the vocabulary of understanding we need to become more human. Well, I also love how you integrate in just the concept of the power and authority that actually you have in you mm-hmm. innately in design. Mm-hmm. And, and how we use that power and authority is important. Because we can use it in bad ways as well. Absolutely. And, and without skipping over to that, that someone has given us that authority. Right. That we're not the owners, we're the stewards. That's right. So everything is a gift, and we've been given a stewardship to which we must give honor and also accountability to the owner. Right? Think about all the parables. Right. And right. you can also look at order in the world and mm-hmm. realize that things are in order. Amen. And so by giving honor to... but you Because... A lot of times that you can actually take God out of this discussion mm-hmm. to some people who are going like, yeah, but I don't believe in your God. Mm-hmm. 
And that ends the discussion, right? Well, no, you can actually remove God just temporarily, you know, and say, well, let's take, then you can look at order. You can look at design. There you can is. look at, uh, well, the science of it. It all points and, and backs up all of these things because yes. you can look at the data to see uh, what are the happiest families, what are the best well-adjusted kids, what, what happens and what is the typical situation. You start And if you take religion out of it altogether, it still is part of this, uh, this beautiful theology of the body. Yes. It becomes a theology because you start going like, look, and I cannot divorce myself from the idea that this is ordered. And it's, people, it's not true because the church teaches it. The right. church teaches it because it's true. That's right. So there's an order, as you said, as a, a priori that you can look in creation and see the creator if you have eyes to see yeah. and you have uh, you know the, the, the uh, ears to hear, as we say. That's right. So we're talking to Damon Owens, and he is the founder and executive director of Joy to Be. You can find him uh, in, in this ministry at Joy to be or J O Y T O B Joy Tob as there we like is. to say here. If you must, that's right. But uh, J uh, Joy to be uh, dot org. Right, yes. simply go there and you can find out all you want to find out about Damon Owens. I and, hope you uh, do all the speaking and speaking sneaking everything mostly it's that all he in does there. speaking uh, and uh, and also just find out more about this ministry about the the the, the joy of the theology of the body, but mm-hmm. the joy to be. Uh, and we're going to talk. I'm going to challenge you when you come back. We're going to take a break. But uh, it's not always as, you know, all these better roses you keep talking about no. here. Yeah, we're going to talk about that when we come back. So if you've got some questions, formulate them in your mind, and we're going we're gonna to kind of hear them, and then we're going to answer them when we come back right after this. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winfrith's name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. St. Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe, where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany, where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how St. Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the god of St. Boniface, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true god. Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the church. He converted many to Catholicism, but at the same time made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. 
In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, To us, this was a period of light, when the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us. The feast day of St. Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I am so pleased to be sitting here with Damon Owens, who is the founder and executive director of joy to be It's important also to note that you were like the, the, the first executive director of the Theology of the Body Institute in Philadelphia. Yes, An esteemed uh, institution, a wonderful place, uh, just really... Uh, the theology of the body is like your your neck of the woods. It is the boot camp for anyone coming to the theology of the body, yeah. org. So I highly recommend their work even as a past executive director. Yeah, yeah. but absolutely. And uh, I, I imagine that uh, when you were in engineering school, you didn't study the theology <laughs> of the body. Or did you? I don't know. How, 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 how did this – I mean, it's a long story, but – yeah. Yeah, you, you love the theology of the body. It's uh, there must have been a light bulb moment for you at oh, some point. Yeah, it's still happening. The bulbs keeps like yeah, blinking flashing. in and out. It's going to be flashing. No, but theology of the body really became um, the answer in the search for for meaning. It sounds so philosophical, but the search for meaning for what my own faith journey back to the Catholic faith happened. And uh, I tell a story often about how I lost my Catholic faith uh, in undergrad mm-hmm. and uh, rediscovered it in my graduate years Wow! in and through meeting my beloved Melanie. We came back yeah. to the church together. You're probably the only person to ever have that experience. I know. Losing your faith in college. Did I mention? Then- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never happens before. Yeah. And then I mentioned I lost it at Brown and picked it up at Berkeley. So there, I might well, have been the only person that... We don't want to get into um, who, what schools are good or bad. you got to name them. you got to name them. <laughs> well, that's my story. So Melanie and I coming back to the faith was in and around these questions of sexuality. This isn't a theological exercise for me as much as I do love it. It really is about answering questions that um, transformed my life, our life, our family, that set us on this. These are not ancillary topics. No. Right? Human sexuality is not, it's it's, it's intrinsic to who we are. Nobody leaves the church for transubstantiation, okay? People leave the church for adultery and for contraception and for abortion and for, you know, these these teaching on sexuality. So, no, this is not ancillary. This is central. And we owe it to ourselves for our own formation and for our ability to evangelize, to be able to be fluent in it. So you have this beautiful message of the theology of the body uh, given to us or, or uh, uh, really articulated so beautifully by Pope St. John Paul II, mm-hmm. you know, just the, John Paul the Great, you know. Yes. And, um, and this is a beautiful message, and it's beautiful for the people that want to receive it. But I, I would imagine um, you get a lot of pushback. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to pour this truth literally out into a, a, an unreceptive Yes. Secular world, yeah, yeah. right. You, you mentioned that how important families are, and where we see this gift and this design and this. Essentially, I like to teach that salvation is is in, born in the context of family, right? Mm. Jesus born into a family. God revealed Himself as a family of persons. Family is important, Beautiful. and it's how He saves the world. Mm. And so, our families are important, but we have so many broken families. 
We do, we do, and I, you know, most of my work is not in that. I'm not on 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 Fox or Ellen or doing you know the the totally secular work. But you I would be those. good on Fox. And I Ellen. I would have fun. I'll give you yeah. that much. But really, it's about um, my audiences or those who are just asking. If you're willing to ask the question to understand who am I, why am I here, what really makes me happy, did I screw my life up, who is God, what does my Catholic faith mean? That's the at least the open heartedness to mm-hmm. begin to offer uh, uh, meaning and and access to really the deposit of our faith, to say, this isn't abstract, but the answers are here. The church is trustworthy. And God doesn't just love you because he has to when he's God. He is delighted in mm. you. And to restore that delight, that awe, that wonder, that fascination, John Paul II would call that to be the seeds, the spiritual beginning of, uh, of reverence. That the, the spiritually mature form of, of wonder and fascination is reverence. So there is a connection between the natural and the supernatural in the same way that people have wounds. You know, teaching these ideals is not about the ideals. I probably spend most of my time not just going through the teaching of Theology of the Body like a Theology of the Body Institute. It's beautiful. It's more about giving name and witness and sunlight to the wounds and to acknowledge that you are not crazy. Yeah, because most people don't want to have a conversation unless it's going to be really relevant to them. Exactly. And so to to take any kind of theology and to keep it from being lofty, theology was meant to be lived. Mm. It's not meant to be this lofty thing that sits up on a shelf and collects dust. Someone once told me, they said, the the least credible, the most incredible statement is the answer to a question that nobody's asked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? You have all the an- Jesus is the answer. We haven't talked about why you need the question. Yeah. What's the question? The question is you don't know who you are, and your life is really you're full of doubt and fear. You're afraid of death. Right. And the truth about who you are is not going to be figured out in the three score and ten that God has given you. Your 70 yeah. years, the scripture says, is not the time to figure out the cosmos. It's the time to become who you are by gathering first trustworthy sources who can reveal it. Your mother, your father, your spiritual mother, the church, your father in heaven. This fatherhood and motherhood is about this maternity and paternity. It's about receiving and passing through, but you becoming who you are. So that's why family, to your point, why family is so essential. Because at its core, it is the place where we come to know who we are and that we're worthy to be loved for who we are, and others are willing and capable of fulfilling our needs. So when people hear the theology body message, it first has to be a recognition that there's an authority. There's an authority that is trustworthy that can even answer the deepest questions of my heart. I don't even trust you to tell me the deepest questions of my heart, but I have them, and we all know what they are. Mm. So being able to answer them is not about throwing the, the copious theology. It's about building trust, rapport, trust, and then influence. So if I have an hour talk, it could take 45 minutes to build rapport and trust in some groups. Right, then the, then the rest of it, that 15 minutes is like... <laughs> more than enough time. It's more than enough. Once they're like, well, tell me more, that's all you need. But the bigger problem in our culture right now is that we have so many sources of information and very few of them are trustworthy. So the church to regain her trustworthiness to her believers and to her children is the first step to look at this incredible deposit of faith and to ask the questions of my heart. Who am I? Why am I here? What what really brings me joy? And those answers that Christ has are transformative. This is this is the kerygma. This is the great news. This is who I was. This is when I met Christ. This is how he changed my life, and I want you to meet him too. We do that, we're on a whole other level of building a church. And I suppose uh, I would imagine that some of you, you'd recognize that some of what we do is, is really not, when you say we're not worried about the answers to the cosmos, mm-hmm. it's like, let's not even go there. Mm-hmm. But to help people understand that even in their brokenness, whatever's causing them the pain, the division, the, the, the issues, that it's a doable. 
That's right. No, we, we can actually heal this thing. Yes. Not we, the Lord, mm-hmm. God. Yes. And and if they can just if they can just trust, right? If you build that rapport and you trust, then it's a doable thing. It's not some you're never going to know the answer to this thing. Because I've met a lot of people that's just, that are just despair, the, right? Yeah. No, I think too. The, the, we're not injecting new questions. This is the other advantage yeah. that we have that we're not instilling you a new you desire. Had questions, you got more now. That's right. Let me tell you what you're really asking. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that, right? But we honestly, when you can talk about questions of identity and relationship and mission, we can talk to everyone. And to be able to make the case is not about giving new abstract ideas they never heard of. It's really about awakening in them a sense where they go, "Wow, I think that's true." Where'd you get that from? So there's a thirst that's already there. And to be able to provide that water and that fullness of the truth, that's a privilege to do it. Right. And the, and the, and the, the pressure is not to create some crafty sales messaging to buy my stuff. It's about a one-on-one building friendship and confidence to let you know you are unique, unrepeatable, with a purpose in your life. And yet we share a humanity that we can talk about the meaning of life. My favorite thing about RCIA, what I love about RCIA is watching the light bulb go on. Mm. I mean, it's mm. like, it's where God gives you a little affirmation. I mean, it's not about me, but the reality is it's like, I just can't stop feeling great when I see someone go like, oh, I get it. Yes. And yes. so that's that's our hope and our prayer. I, and, I, and don't you think that right now that this is timely for us to be talking about this? In the world that we live in right now with, with again, we're talking about third trimester abortions and then cer- certainly... You know, afterbirth abortions. We're, we're talking about all these concepts that just seem—they were just so foreign to us. But certainly, same-sex marriage, and, uh, and and we're talking about things like gender dysphoria and kids being very confused about who they are, their sexuality. I mean, this is all literally coming to a head, right? Literally, now. literally. And do you get a sense that maybe the Holy Spirit's at work here in some way? I have no doubt, and I'm not being overly spiritual. I have no doubt that for such a time as this. The theology body is a vocabulary. Uh, his believers and disciples living a life of joy. We're made for this. I mean, there's a, there seems to be a full court press now on the, on the destruction of the family, the decomposition, the disintegration of the family, starting with marriage. And when you have that, you start to accept that not just as a reality, but that it has meaning behind it. Then you're not, you're not put off by the person with same-sex attraction at all. Or the person who's have a gender dysphoria so acute they're not sure who they are. Right. That doesn't put you off at all. What does get you off are these new ideas that somehow say, well, you know what? There's no such thing as gender. Right. There's no such thing as marriage. You, know, you create it what you want it to be. Now we step in and say, no, 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 no. Now you're trying to recreate the cosmos. That, that, you know, that, that's so eye-opening. And I just hope and pray that uh, your ministry continues to flourish. Thank you. Uh, you're doing so beautifully with Joy to Be. Joy, J-O-Y-T-O-B dot org. So if you want to hear more about Damon Owens and what he's doing. Damon, thank you so much for blessing us with this your appearance This is a joy. Here. Thank you for the virtual ending rings. Well, you know what? You talked about family. Now let's let's say a little prayer to our mother that she watches out for us. Amen. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.